Welcome to the Power of the Cross with special guest minister, Lauren Larson. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The prophet Isaiah would write some 700, 750 years before the coming of Jesus these words. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. I would ask you to take close look at that particular statement, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now take note of this as well. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This particular passage is really uh, considered a millennial passage. It means that it really describes a time in Israel's future. It's the time when Christ will come back to the world and rule and reign it. Uh, He will do that at the second coming where Israel will be established as the head of all nations, which was God's plan from the very beginning. And it says that the government will be upon his shoulders. But before that could happen, we had to have the first advent. We're about to celebrate his coming and uh, December 25th. We know that December 25th is probably not the date in which he came. Uh, the, the day would be all wrong for shepherds to be in the field in that time of year. But the importance is not that we have the date right. The importance is that he came. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that he came. But I want to talk to you about not just the fact that he came, but that he came to establish a government now within the heart and life of each and every person that would accept him. And he will establish a government that will cover the earth and at a later time. Both are going to happen to those who desire him today. He has a desire to establish and increase his government in your heart and in your mind. Uh, the song we sang just a few moments ago, reminiscent of Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that it's our... It's our good purpose to be a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that we are yielding our lives, our hearts and our minds, totally to God. And in that yielding, you'll find true life. You'll find abundant life. You'll find a a reason for living. And one of the things that I want to stress to you today is that just getting saved is not the best part of Christianity, even though that's wonderful. When the sin comes off the shoulders and the relief from being outside of relationship with God is over and all of a sudden the power of God sweeps into your soul and things begin to change. But the best part of Christianity is the increase of his government in your heart and your mind and your soul. Amen, Brother Larson. Preach on, Brother Larson. Teach it, brother. 
The best part of Christianity is as the increase of Christ's power and person and government rules your soul. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the increase of his government, the increase of his government. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to minister your word. Now, Lord, as we minister, I pray, dear God, that you would place into the hearts and minds of those that listen both here and later by recorded device over the radio, the internet. Lord, there would arise within them a desire to not only let you rule, but to let that government and rule, that kingdom, expand to its fullest outreach in every heart, in every mind, in every life. If there be one listening to us today that is not saved, that has never given their heart to the Lord, let this be the day that they surrender to the government of God. And we'd ask it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And amen. This passage is very special to me. I was preparing it, I guess, the first time in uh, 2006 where I preached it at uh, World Evangelism Bible College, and uh, the response from our student body was wonderful. And a few years later, I was in Atlanta, Texas, preparing uh, the message, and it just began to hit me in a very, very strong way that above all, this is what God wanted to do. He wanted to increase the people of God. Now, it's not an increase the like that we hear of so much in the body of Christ today, an increase in goods or an increase in the sense of uh, your, 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 your job or your income. It's, it's not really that kind of an increase. It can play out to that increase. But I hope that you're not serving Jesus Christ today just simply for what he can do for you financially, temporally, because those things won't last. Those things are certainly uh, blessings that we have. But as I was studying for it, I was looking at the word increase. And uh, from Psalm 115 and verse 14, the Lord planted this in my heart. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. I said, wow, the Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. And the increase that I want, ladies and gentlemen, is a spiritual increase. I want I want to see my children and my grandchildren increase spiritually. I want to see their love for God, their desire for God, their service of God increase. This is the increase that I'm looking for. This is the increase to be able to impact more people with the knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the increase of his government that I desire to see in my own heart. And since those years, of course, I've seen all four of my children now serving the Lord, my elder daughter and her uh, husband pastor a church in Largo, Florida, and he's taken over the church about three years ago, and they've got a good problem. They can't seat all the people that are coming. Uh, they've got to find another building because he's taken it from 80 to about 500 people. And you know uh, Grace and her music ministry and Joseph and his music and preaching ministry and Rachel and her music ministry and both Rachel and Grace, this might surprise you, are great expositors of the word. They are starting to teach and preach. I want to see an increase in their love for God. I want to see an increase in their impact for God. I want to see an increase in the things of God. And that ought to be foremost in our hearts and lives as a Christian. Uh, whether or not the the financial aspect comes with it is not as important as, as allowing God to do something in your heart that he's never done before. 
I challenge you today to let God do something in you that you've never let him do before, to take you to another level, to take you to a little further expansion in what he wants to do in your heart and your life, to give him a little more room, if you will, to do what he wants to do in your life. I challenge you this morning because the scripture here says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, now let's back up and, and deal with the text for just a, a few minutes. I've already said that it's a millennial reign text, that it is really about something that's going to happen in the future. But before that could happen in the future, verse 6 had to happen, and we all celebrate this in December. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. To establish the government of God, first of all, there had to be a Savior. And this is what God did. In, in this verse, we see how what God did to reunite himself with men. Men are separated from God. Men aren't born in relationship with God. Men are born separated from God because of sin. And sin does not allow mankind to have a relationship with God. It separates just like Adam and Eve had to leave the garden because of their failure and because of their sin. God uh, saw that he could not abide with them because of their sin. But he had a plan and even as he ousted them from the garden he told them, he said, listen, I've got your back. I've got a plan. I've got an idea, and it's been an idea since before the foundation of the world. I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to send the seed of the woman, and he will crush the seed of the serpent, and it will produce the ability for me to have a relationship with you again. This is what Christmas is really all about. God sending his son so that man and God that could be reunited because man and God were separated for sin. So in order to get this done, there had to be a Savior, and the Savior couldn't come from humanity because humanity was tainted with sin. Every single human being after Adam's fall was born with indwelling sin that bent them towards selfishness and ungodliness. Every single one, bar none. I don't care how cute the babies are. I got 10 grandchildren. And I used to laughingly say in my teachings, if you want to find out about a sin nature in a child, put uh, two two-year-olds and one, and one playpen and one rubber ducky in the middle. And you're not going to see them say, oh, no, please, you first. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Why? Because the sin nature driving us to selfishness, that's mine, that's mine. And boy, I said to 10 grandkids, and I've seen them fight. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so it's just, again, it shows us the dilemma that mankind was in. But God, having promised that he would fix it, sent his only begotten son. He said, Isaiah said it, here's what's going to happen. A child is born, but not just any child. It's the seed of the woman. And the woman, this is the amazing thing, has no seed. Seed is in man. So when God said it in Genesis 3.15 that the, the seed of the woman, he was actually prophesying that a virgin should conceive. Thank you for listening to The Power of the Cross. We pray this message is a blessing to you. You can access our sermons at GrenadaChurch.com. We also ask you for your financial support in helping us reach the world with the gospel. You can donate to our ministry by secure means at GrenadaChurch.com and click Donate. Now, back to the message. 
Now, that doesn't make sense. If you don't get that, I'm not going to give you a sex education class in the pulpit. But the woman has no seed, but yet here comes humanity. In humanity, God chooses a little maiden named Mary, and Mary cooperates and says, according to your word, be it unto me. Oh, what a beautiful statement. Oh, that we would be as willing. Mary knew that because she was espoused to Joseph, they hadn't come together yet, in the laws of Israel, that espousal period was a time frame in which if she was found pregnant, she was to be executed, taken out and stoned, eliminated. And her reputation, if, 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 if stoning wasn't the end result, then her reputation would be forever damaged and she would be legally divorced from Joseph. So when Mary looks at the angel and agrees to this idea that she would be the womb of the Messiah and bear forth his son, she knows that her reputation at best is going to be forever marred or death even awaits. But she looks that right in the eye as a human being and says, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Wow. Boy, is God looking for some people today that says, I don't care what it costs. I don't care about my reputation. Be it unto me, Lord, whatever you want to be done, let that be done. And so Christ was born of a virgin. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and a child is born. But it's not just a child. It's not just another human baby. The Bible then says that a son is given. It was Mary's child, but it was God's son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So this marvelous child that was born and brought into the earth to be the Savior of all mankind and to ultimately rule and reign over all mankind would be a son that was given, given from God, and a child that was born. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% man and 100% God. This is the miracle of it. So God establishes the ability for mankind to come back into relationship with him by having the Christ child sent into the world. And you know the story. You're not ignorant of it, I would pray. 33 and a half years, he lives, he walks, he doesn't fail. Not one wrong thought, not one wrong attitude. Go clean your bedroom. Uh, mm, yeah. No, not one not once ever was he upset with his mom and dad. Never one time did he ever contradict what they said. Man, would you like to have a kid like that? Amen, said all the parents. But he came and he only asks, listen now, you know the story. He came and he died on Calvary, rose from the dead. And now the Bible says, if God and man are to be reunited, then man must accept Jesus Christ as his Savior, that he recognizes that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. Man can't pay the penalty for his sin. But God sent his Son to pay the penalty for sin and says, if you'll believe that I did what I say that I would do, that I would provide a way of redemption, if you'll simply place your faith in me, then I'll forgive you of all sin 
and I will reunite you with God, and I will begin to establish my kingdom, my government in you. Glory. If you would just believe, Romans 10, 8 and 9 says, for with the mouth man confesses, with the heart man believes. It's so, so simple that everybody can accomplish it, but no one can perform it on their own. They simply have to believe that God made a provision, that God made a way, that man didn't make it, but God made it. This isn't a religious story. This is God reuniting man with himself after the fall. And he simply says, Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation is accomplished when we understand what God has done in Christ and we place our faith in him. And immediately, the Bible tells us there are several things that happen. Regeneration, what a miracle. The inner man, the heart of man, the soul, how you feel, and your spirit, uh, how, you, how you think, they're created new by the power of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, the Holy Spirit moves inside so he can begin to train you as to the things of God and the nature of God. Line upon line, here a little, there a little, the Holy Spirit begins to instruct us and correct us and our lives begin to change. This is supernatural, not spooky scary it's supernatural God moving in you God living in you because over the top of you as a result of your faith is a blood covering of the lamb and God looks at you as having never sinned and moves in and begins to fix the, the things in us that aren't what they need to be what aren't what they need to be and the things that aren't what they need to be need to be changed Okay, let me preach over here. The things that aren't what they need to be need to be changed. The things that aren't but they need to be need to be changed. All right, now we're walking together. Now we're talking together. The introduction to the change is the becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus by faith. And oh my goodness, we become a part of his government then. The government of God resides in Jesus. It doesn't reside in Springfield. It doesn't reside in Cleveland. It doesn't reside, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. It doesn't reside in Baton Rouge. The kingdom resides in Jesus Christ. So you've got to know him. And the Bible says that the kingdom shall be upon, let's just talk about his kingdom a moment and what he'll do in it. The kingdom shall be upon his shoulder. What does that mean? Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge. Religion is not in charge. Politics are not in charge. No matter what is going on around us, they are not in charge because I'm no longer just subject to the kingdom of men. I have become a willing adherent to the kingdom of God. I have said yes to Jesus, and now his kingdom is starting to be implanted into me. His kingdom that rests upon his shoulders, he is the one that makes the kingdom available. He is the one that makes the kingdom work. It's his power and his grace and his glory that's about to change me and his name is wonderful 
What does that mean? It means of, it speaks of Christ, his person, and his work. His name is Counselor. What's that mean? That means that no matter where I go, no matter what I do, he's ready to lead me and guide me in the way that will be most beneficial to me because he is not only in charge, but he is a Counselor. He's not a dictator. His spirit speaks to my spirit of where to go and what to do and gently says, no, don't go there. No, don't wear that. No, don't drink that. No, don't go there. See, we don't need laws and rules and routines. We just need an expansion of the kingdom that rests upon the king's shoulders and it lives in you. Hallelujah. I want that expansion. His name is wonderful. His name is counselor. Oh my. His name is mighty God. That means he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Wow, mighty God, heroic God, omnipotent, supreme ruler. That's the one you've hooked up with. Can I say his name again? Heroic God, omnipotent, supreme ruler. There's nothing God can't do. Oh, but Brother Larson, you just don't know my situation. You're not looking close enough at your God. You're looking at your situation as we all do at times because it's real and life is real and things get hard and things are difficult. But there is nothing hard for God. It's not anything too hard for God. There's nothing hard for God. Is it easier for God to heal the sick or forgive sin? Hello? Jesus said, is it easier? Easy. Neither one is easy. He said, okay, watch this. Rise up and walk. What, is that? What, what was he saying to us? I can do all things. I can do everything. I can do anything. Well, why doesn't he do what I want? Because it's what you want, not what he wants. And this is his kingdom. So again, we are entering into the kingdom to a God that can do all things, but he's not going to just do all things that we want. He is not a, a token God. He is not a bellboy. We are not God telling God what to do. This kingdom that God wants to expand in your heart today, in your life today, in your mind today, is not a, this is good for you because you're the best thing on the planet. It's corrective. Excuse me. Amen, Brother Larson. Preach on, Brother Larson. Teach it, brother. This kingdom will correct you. It will correct me. Why? Because I need it. I'm a needy person. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still so far below what he is. And I love you, but I'm not comparing myself to you. The Bible says that if we compare each other to each other, that's not wise. The one I have to compare myself to is him. And when I compare myself to him, it keeps me low. There's no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room to say, well, I've allowed him to. No, 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 no. We're all in need. We're a needy people. But his name is Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the source of eternity. He's the Prince of Peace. He can give you peace in the middle of a storm uh, the like no man ever could, no circumstance ever could. No money can buy this peace. No uh, manipulation can produce it. It doesn't make any sense when it comes, but it just falls on you like a, a blanket of hot oil from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. 
time ago, a Roman jailer asked the important question to the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul's answer was immediate and to the point, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. We have to realize that our sin separates us from God, and the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what did God do about this? He made it simple. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'll just take a moment and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Accept Him as your Savior, resolve in your mind to make Him Lord of your life, and follow Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength as long as you live. If you've made the decision for Christ today, we would love to hear from you and send you a free Bible. Send us a message to info at GrenadaChurch.com. Thank you once again for listening to The Power of the Cross. If you have prayer requests, questions, or comments, email us at radio at GrenadaChurch.com or send them to the Lighthouse at P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. That's P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. God bless you and have a wonderful week.